Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. This is episode 148. And today we are talking about some current-ish news. It's kind of old now. But uh, yeah, assholes in jiu-jitsu or... Yeah. <laughs> While we're on that topic, let me introduce my co-host, Adam yeah. Charles. Uh, oh, come on down. <laughs> yes. Hello, Kieran, episode 148. What is up, my man? We are talking about um, yeah, oldish news, but still maybe current news because I don't know if, if you saw a little thing popped up, but uh, we'll, we'll get into that. But yeah, we're, we're essentially going to talk about Herbeth Santos, everyone's favorite jiu-jitsu competitor oh yeah so what happened recently ish and now i say I just recently wait. i'll oh, segue this i'm just quite surprised that we're what are we one minute in are you telling me we're already going straight into the top straight into the content what yeah. the hell <laughs> yeah i can tell you actually is a give you guys a little side note why we're going straight into the topic is for our regular listeners, you probably noticed that last week we didn't have an episode go out. Kieran and I were halfway through recording this exact mm. episode, and then we had the good old technical difficulties legitimately, like we had a computer overheating and stuff just started crashing, and we had to scrap the whole episode. Mm. And then due to scheduling issues, we couldn't just re-record it the next day and also due to the fact that computers had to be repaired and so mm. on. And yeah, so we had to wait a whole other week to record the episode. So it's kind of like that organic banter already played out in the last recording that it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so Adam was like rehashing, rehashing jokes I made last week and, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that was it, like yeah. an inside, it was an inside joke, but... Tried, it was a joke, but anyway. Anyway, yeah, very confusing. Yeah, um, I hope yeah. this isn't anyone's first episode. I say that all the time. But Erbeth Santos, and for those that don't know, he is, able, I believe, a three-time, yes, three-time world champion. Uh, and he was arrested in Sao Paulo for a series of rapes and robberies. Now, I'm reading off of an article here on uh, the source is BJJ Eastern Europe. And he was with another guy, Andre uh, Pessoa, I think it's pronounced, who was uh, who's also won numerous titles, another black belt, and he was also apprehended for the same charges. The investigations revealed that the fighters used physical violence and weapons to intimidate and sexually assault their victims. The news was released uh, on the 24th of August, on Thursday, 24th of August this year. Now, there have been some developments since then, and we're going to get into it, but use this sort of as a uh, launching pad to talk about a a greater issue. The developments have been that Herbeth Santos Santos, uh, breaks his silence four days later on the 28th, August 28th, uh, 2023, and he uh, posted onto social media essentially saying, don't believe the lies. That was his statement. Or don't believe it. He said, don't believe it. Yeah, more specifically, he said, uh, don't believe them. Don't I believe, believe them. Okay. is the more correct translation, but don't I, believe them. I, I'll just give a little, you know, just my Portuguese isn't 100% fluent, but I believe the, the way that the, it's, the verb is conjugated. I believe he's saying, but don't believe them. But yeah, or don't believe mm. it. So he doesn't say don't believe the lies or anything. And it was just a mm. story post. Now, I've only seen a screenshot yes. of that. 
because Erbeth's Instagram account is private. And right. I, don't, I don't know if that is a recent thing, but I never followed him on Instagram to begin with. So, so yeah. Um, but there, I don't know, like, for anyone who doesn't know who Herbert Santos is, he's obviously an incredibly talented jiu-jitsu fighter and competitor. The dude has won multiple titles. However, he is... Definitely not the most graceful competitor, but he's maybe labeled as the bad boy, if you will, but not in a good way. Not in like the kind of like, oh, he's the bad boy. Everyone's scared of him. People are typically scared of him because he's terrifying. He's very intimidating. He's incredibly physical. Mm. And and yeah, like I said, very, very, very talented. But um, yeah, if you don't know who he is, he's got a whole list of bad <laughs> competitions that he's appeared at or accusations. I wouldn't even call them accusations. Like a lot of them are just flat out true because they're on video of him doing them. So just to give you an idea, if I like pull up a little thing on Herbert Santos, these are all different links to different articles. And I'll just read some of the headlines. And it's like, Herbert Santos involved in massive brawl at competition, DQ'd, woman kicked in face. Bernardo Fogo. <laughs> so, so I mean, so it doesn't say he kicked her in the face, right? I'm just, I'm just reading the title of the of of the links, and uh, apparently, women I'm getting sorry. kicked in the face is Kieran's. Uh, no, it's the, Kieran's. just so like the way it's phrased, like everything ever said to us, DQ'd, etc. Full stop. Woman kicked in face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Oh, and man, then got another red. one. Bernardo Faria, Erbeth is the only one that has been disrespectful to me in 17 years competing. And this was interesting for me because I know Bernardo. um, Mm. I mean, not, I mean, like I know him, but it's not like fuck, we went to dinner together every night or whatever, but I know him for my years of training with him and whatever. And he's just the absolute nicest dude. And yeah, he Erbeth beat him in a match. I think it was the finals of the worlds and you know, passed him and mounted him and was talking trash talk to him mid match. So yeah, Bernardo's saying it's the, the, the only person to disrespect me in 17 years of competing. Another title, Herbert Santos bitch slapped by Alexandre Vieira at Rio Fall Open. Herbert Santos does it again, gives up mid match against Felipe Pena. Yeah. Herbert Santos, embarrassing P-gate, fakes injury and taps out. Herbert Santos backs out of Mikey Musumeshi, challenge 24 hours after accepting. So he's just got a whole slew of bad behavior. And I'm not sure if one of these links is is specifically referencing um, one of his more well-known incidents, which was where he was... I think he was, I believe from memory, he was actually fighting Felipe Pena and it was on like um, one of those stages and the people in the crowd were talking to him, arguing, blah, blah, blah. And he ended up like launching into the crowd, like running across the stage and launching into the crowd to like fight people, you know? So he's, he's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, bad boy, but not in the, the, the good connotations of it. And one that I'm watching now was where you get insights of his, I guess, temperament and behavior because he was fighting 
this match at the the CBJJE Mundials World Championships. And <laughs> coming from, I was about to say coming from Brazil, I don't come from Brazil, but coming from doing my, most of my, my training in Brazil, this is like a World Championships that is held just inside Brazil. And it's funny, Fabio, at my time there, we kind of weren't allowed to go fight these world championships because they weren't the real world championships. And he used to get, so I'm actually not even sure. I haven't done the research to know if Herbert Santos's three world titles are IBJJF world titles or not, but we actually weren't allowed to go compete at these because they were like, they weren't credible and you would have people come in and say they were eight-time world champion because they had won this particular competition multiple times. Feels like, no man, you're not a fucking world champion. Anyway, so there's a, there's video of him against this guy, much smaller than him. It's obviously in the absolute, and the guy takes him down, I, I believe, and then Urbeth sweeps him, and you see like he sweeps him, and then when he gets on top, he does that kind of real sort of, you know frustrated now if you maybe get a little frustrated in a role you might apply let's say for example you might apply a cross face harder than it needs to be applied to 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 achieve the desired result there's just a little bit of emotion that 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 spills out and you kind of do something with a little bit more like you know turns into a little bit of a strike yeah, but it wasn't even like that. It was that little, like he, you know, and then he swept the dude back and then was just like pretty much like blatantly being like, fuck you, like, like dropping elbows on the dude. Damn. You no, know, like if you can imagine how you might sometimes put a thumb in a, the collar and put your forearm oh, on all the time. face to yeah. turn their head a certain way. It was like yeah. that, but with, with like, I mean, it was a strike. You right. Know? And then it kind of ended up turning into a bit of a brawl. Nice. So, He's not the most loved competitor. And now he's been arrested on charges of, you know, I've read some articles that say rape and some that just say sexual assault. Obviously both are horrific. Mm. But, but yeah, so I'm, I don't want to necessarily say which it was because I, I don't know. But the yeah, robbery and, and whatnot. And there was video some video evidence of it happening too. But then for now him to do an Instagram post saying, don't believe them. I don't know, man. Like I kind of believe him, bro. <laughs> I, I, I mean, kind of he hasn't, believe him. I mean, innocent until proven guilty. Of course, of course, give him the benefit of the doubt, but, but like, come on, we're all yeah. friends here. We're all, you know, this isn't public. We're all friends. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's yeah, be realistic so- boys. So, I mean, I, I look at this and I'm, I kind of, I don't know, man, like it's sad because I'm not whatsoever, like, let me just clarify, I'm not at all justifying whatsoever any of this dude's behavior. Like the dude is absolute trash, but it's also, I don't know, like it is sad because you see for a lot of people, jujitsu cliche air quotes again, saves their life. And this guy achieved great things in jiu-jitsu, but obviously there was a lot of other 
mental health issues going on, you know, that has that steered him down this path and I have zero insight into what his childhood was like. I mean, you, I'm very aware that you can grow up in quite horrific conditions in Brazil. Mm. You know, so, it, and it's just sad, right? Like a lot of people become, you know, it's the use a, a broader vague term. A lot of people become criminals because of, you know, parents who don't love them or because of, you know, their, their parents like assaulted them when they were kids or whatever it was. And that issues that then snowball into becoming not functioning adults in society and jujitsu does save a lot of people. And I think that that cliche has been said so many times. Jujitsu saved my life. I actually have a student who, uh, who has said that to me and I've quite legitimately believe him because every other weekend He's like, he's covered in tattoos that not that that means people in tattoos uh, live, live bad lives, but he's covered in tattoos and from a rougher part of, of Sydney. And every other weekend he's going to meet his mate who's getting out of jail or whatever. And, you know, or there'll be some thing on the news of a big drug bust. And he's like, well, that's my mate, you know, that just got busted or whatever. Like, so he's <laughs> connected to a lot of, his, you know, his life could have gone a very different direction. Mm. And he said to me multiple times that like, you know, he's someone that didn't make jujitsu his career. It's just his hobby. It's a purple belt. But he said multiple times that, you know, for him, he feels like jujitsu saved his life in the sense that if he didn't do it, he would have, it would have been more likely that he went down that path opposed to the path he has now where he's married and two kids and, you know, he's still friends with these people but like has appears to have quite a clear separation mm. you know i'm not privy to all the ins and outs of his of his you know home life but but you know so so jiu-jitsu does a lot of great things for people can legitimately save some people's lives and and to see someone who was is absurdly talented at the sport yeah like this is I mean, for me, his last straw happened years ago. I had no patience for the guy. Like, once he started fighting people mid-match and giving up mid-match, but this is definitely not a, not a pleasant report to see. Yeah, yeah. And I think it just brings the whole community down a little bit. I mean, we're not represented by Herbert Santos by any stretch of the imagination, but in a sense, you know, we kind of are. Not only is he a black belt, but he is a very high-profile, accomplished black belt, which brings me to the question that I sort of wanted to linger on. And I know your take on this, but I mean, I'm going to ask it anyway. What do you think about the whole notion that because we are a martial art, right? At the end of the day, with steeped in tradition and we have lineage and everything like that and blah, blah, blah. What do you think about the whole conversation where people say that a black belt shouldn't just be good at jiu-jitsu, shouldn't just be a black belt, so to speak, on the mats, but a black belt represents more than that. It represents that you should be a upstanding member of society and you should, you know, not saying that you look down on everyone, but you should be the, the role model that the, the rank accompanies. What do you think about that sentiment uh, and should is is that old thinking? Is that you know does that not have a place in um, modern jujitsu as it were? Yeah, it's an interesting question, eh? Like I reckon my answer 
today is different to what it would have been five years ago. My answer today is probably different to what it will be in five years. You know, on on the one hand, you know, there's definitely part of me that if I look at competitive jiu-jitsu and particularly jiu-jitsu competitions that aren't separated by belt division, just only separated by, by weight, uh, like ADCC or whatever, definitely on the, there is a part of me that just goes, well, like, you know, if you're good enough, you can just go. Like, as long as you understand the rules of the sport and whatever, like, like you can just go. There's no, uh, uh, like, what does, what does the belt matter? What if, mm. if you're a white belt, like if you're like, fuck Ch- Chuck Bo Nickel in ADCC, and I'm sure he still does incredibly well, you know, like, even though the dude would be a white belt in jujitsu. Um, so on, there's definitely part of me that buys into that, but there's also a, a massive part of me that appreciates the difficulty in, in the amount of knowledge that needs to be acquired in, in the progression of jujitsu and to, I don't think anyone can master jujitsu, so to speak, right? Like, I mean, yeah, we all look at Gordon Ryan today, but <laughs> let's fast forward 20, 30, 40 years. It's going to be someone that makes Gordon Ryan look shit. That's just how it, I mean, okay, maybe not like there's still, there's always these massive figures in certain sports, but even today there's people who argue over whether Kobe or LeBron or Jordan, like who are the, who's the greatest player of all time. But yeah, like I definitely have a, a big appreciation for all the other things that the sport and the activity can offer outside of just who is the better competitor. Because they typically split jiu-jitsu into two categories, really. I kind of go, well, there's self-defense jiu-jitsu and sport jiu-jitsu. But, you know, there's really more. There's the whole section of people who do, because I think, in my opinion, I think self-defense jiu-jitsu is incredibly limited. Like it's not very, it's not what most people fall in love with. Most people fall in love with, even if they're not, training jiu-jitsu and competing in jiu-jitsu to go be a competitor. Most people train and who get into it are more interested in the sport side of it. The self-defense side is very limited. And whenever I teach self-defense, I always explain that self-defense of any martial art is really only designed to work against someone who doesn't know how to fight or the particular, who doesn't know the particular martial art you're doing. So I kind of more put jiu-jitsu in combat sport category than even a martial art Mm. you know what i mean like yeah i get you but but yeah there's the whole so let's then take that sort of middle ground ish people who are training the sport and participating in the sport and they're not necessarily just doing it to to go compete and win adcc and they don't care about belts and whatever but the the martial arts side of it definitely still provides this at least some form of structure to your progression because if you put it this way if like where where like it's very difficult to set goals in boxing if you don't compete 
in boxing. Like for me, I would get very bored. Like I want goals that I can work towards. And if it's not achieving a certain rank in the league that I'm fighting in or whatever, like I'm just training boxing with no, you know, and jujitsu offers that not only in some, and they're not just some hearsay belts. Like there's, there's technical knowledge that comes with it. And then we start adding in like the posture and how you carry yourself with it. And so there's still a big chunk of me that believes all that sentiment. And because most people who train have some sort of connection to it that way, wearing the black belt then does mean something more because I don't know, man, like imagine, let me try think of, uh, of an example you know, like there's just more expected of you and you're expected to know certain things and behave in a certain way. Like, I don't know, like, fuck, if you're in the military and, you know, like you expect a, a sergeant and a colonel to behave accordingly, right? Like there's, there's, there's certain things come with that rank. And so I still definitely believe that a lot, but I also do have a part of me that does just kind of look at the, the the elite competitor side and go, well, what does the belt matter, bro? Like, if you're a white belt, but you can beat Gordon Ryan within the rule set of the sport, like, who gives a shit, you know? Like, hey, man, if you've only been playing tennis for six months, but you can beat, you know, Rafael Nadal, like, what's it matter, bro? Like, go, go to Wimbledon and win, you know? So definitely in terms of the elite sport, I'm, there's part of me that's like that, but I think there's so much more to it than just the elite grapplers. So I don't know. I know that was a very sort of rambly way, but like I said, I think my answer today is different to what it would have been five years ago. And I think if you ask me again in five years, it might be different again. But um, let me ask another way then. Let me let me let me just drill down a little bit and say, if you were looking to award a black belt to a student, but they are a piece of shit and they were arrested for robbery and sexual assault, would you still award them a black belt? Never. Mm. No. Like, but maybe, maybe that's for a different reason. And maybe that's because some part of them then represents me. Right, because I've given them a little, little part, part of, part of me. A little, little part of me lives forever. I live, I live, I live inside of you forever. <laughs> you know, because like I'm the one awarding it to them. Mm. Maybe not. Like you know, maybe they never tell anyone that they got the black belt from me. So what's it matter? But yeah, my black belt from that dude. He got his on eBay. I yeah. got mine on Amazon. We're taking over the world. Um. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I, I wouldn't like for me. Definitely, if I'm today still awarding someone a black belt, there's a particular posture, and I think it's also because the reality of how you you train jujitsu and how jujitsu becomes a part of your life, even though it's an individual sport, you interact with multiple other people doing jujitsu, right? So. It's a, okay, like ignore whole like, you know, 
Crianchi stuff and changing teams and whatever. Like it's a team sport in the sense that like you train with your teammates and everything. And without your teammates, you don't have anyone, anyone to train with and you help them, they help you. And then you go compete as an individual. So, you know, you're then, it's not like you're then just got that black belt and you go off into the wild and you're now this like, you know, male lion who has been kicked out of the pride and has to go find, you know, he's, he's flying solo until he takes over his, a new pride or whatever. It's like, no, you then still interact within the community. And as a result of you continuing to interact with the community, which in this case, if I'm giving you the belt, that community is my gym, you know, maybe down the track, you go and start your own gym and you build your own community. That's great. But in the immediate time of you being awarded, maybe not even that black belt, bro, maybe even a brown belt, whatever it is, you're operating within the community and other people, you know, look up to you, like the white belts look up to you and whatever. And if you're just like a piece of shit or if you don't behave properly or, you know, who was it? Uh, Ollie, right? So Ollie's a brown belt at the gym. Obviously, you know him very well. Definitely a piece and of shit. Good example. Yeah, com- com- Good example. Absolute <laughs> human trash. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, no, and... Uh, no, actually, it wasn't. Oh, maybe the, I might be accidentally throwing Ollie under the bus. It was a brown belt. Anyway, they they had a habit of of always being late. No, it was Ollie actually. Sorry, now <laughs> it was Ollie. And um, uh, Ollie. And at one point, I kind of I'm very relaxed with how things operate in the gym. You know, I recently had a student leave the gym because he moved. And I ran into him and he's training at a new, new gym. And I was like, how is it? And he, he had already trained prior to coming to me. He's a Brazilian guy. So he had trained in Brazil. Then he came, trained with me. He's moved again. He's at another gym. I said, how's it going? And he was like, oh man. He's like, it's so, so Brazilian in the sense that it's like all those unspoken rules that, that, uh, that I don't enforce in the gym. He's like, you can't ask higher belts to roll. He's like, I'm not allowed to get a drink of water in, unless, you know, I ask the coach if I can get a drink of water and he's got to say yes and all these things. And, uh, you know, I've got to bow to a photo on the wall. And if I don't, Ugh. you know, I have to do burpees and all this. So he's at a Gracie shit. Baja. Got it. He's not. He's at a Gracie gym. Got it. Um, you know, so, um, but. This um, Ollie was, you know, late, late, and I'm yeah, I'm pretty chill with all that stuff, and especially when it's just like one off or something, I'm like, man, mm. I don't care. Like you got held up at work, who gives a shit? But at one time, I just had enough. I had enough of it, and I was like, bro, at the end of the day, I don't really care if if you're late. You know, I'm stoked for you to come turn up and train. I said, but man, like the problem is like your brown belt who's late, who's you know still not only were you late, but now you're taking fucking 20 minutes to get changed while you're still listening to music in your ears. I said, so all the white belts and blue belts are looking at this brown belt and going like, oh, so oh, fuck, so I didn't have to be here at this time. Like you, you've got yeah. to, you know, people look to you, right? You're wearing a certain belt and they look up at you and go, oh, so that's how you do it. So with the belt, yeah, I mean, if you want to operate in the community, like, uh, yeah, you have to you have to behave a certain way. I don't mean behave as in I'm 
you're, you're getting treated like children. No, I know what but you, you mean. Know what, but you know what I mean? Like hmm. standards, it, the standards, you know, you have to uphold the and this also, standards this of also the gym, goes, whatever they this may This also be. goes to training. Like when I put, and you would have heard me say this before, when I put students through an incredibly hard session, right, that might be physically hard or, you know, or mentally hard or whatever. Emotionally hard. You just, Emotionally you hard, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, say, I say, guys, I know this is hard, but I would never subject you to something that I either am not personally capable of doing or that I haven't been capable slash done in the past, right? Yeah. Of course, like, you know, as I get older, I can't, uh, you know, be 55 and be like, I'm still crushing the workout I did when I was 20. Of course not, mm -hmm. right? But, you know, like, I'm like, guys, I, I never make you, it's just me kind of saying like, yeah, it's hard, but I'm not just like, slumping on physical abuse for the sake of it right and so yeah it even goes to the training mm. and yeah so long story short yes like i guess the a lot comes with the belt still in my opinion but i don't know come back at me in five years and you'll get maybe another boring 10 minute rant that doesn't make any sense but Bro, I'm coming at you in slightly different. Wait a minute. <laughs> uh, never mind. I'm not doing that. Um, yeah. So I tend to agree with you um, on that, even though I've never awarded a belt. <laughs> Unless it's a white belt. You'll get that. Yeah. <laughs> wait, yeah. You're like, no, wait. Hang on. There was that guy that came in and I sold him a gi and you said to give him a belt with a gi. So I guess I, I have ha done that. I have done that. I have sold a gi for you. A couple. You've, award, you've awarded multiple awarded, belts, I've, my friend. I've awarded a belt. You're welcome, yeah. everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think if slash when I get to the stage of, you know, promoting, I definitely maybe higher belt, you, you would consider a little bit more. But by that stage, you're assuming that you know the person. I'm not saying that every brown belt you've awarded has been from white to brown. Have you awarded any white to brown yet? What's no, the, the, white the, to purple? The, the highest belt that I've awarded that was someone who had never trained jujitsu prior to meeting me is purple. Purple, yeah. And I and I gave yeah purple to a guy who had never trained at all, and purple to a guy who was like came to me as a one stripe white belt, which is Jonas. Right. So Dan is the first purple from white to purple from zero. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And um. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean, obviously, one day I'll get. I mean, I've awarded a black belt. I've awarded brown belts, but mm. yeah, Dan's the Dan is the only from zero to purple that I've awarded. I'm definitely beating Dan to brown belt. It's no. Yeah, I, I know, I, man. I'm, <laughs> I was thinking about this recently. Actually, I was thinking. I was thinking oh, about it. Yeah, so I'm 100 beating Dan. Oh man, that's funny. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, Dan, Dan. I mean, Dan as a human is pretty trash. So yeah, he's uh, he's, he's, he's like he's the chewing gum on the bottom of your shoe. So <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Just <laughs> yeah. scrape him off the mats. But um, but yeah. So I think it. Yeah, it also there's all the other factors with it. It gives people tangible goals to work towards. It, mm. it, it helps, it helps instructors as well, uh, track progress of students. Like mm. 
because it is hard when you get multiple students, when you add additional instructors to your gym so you're not teaching 100% of the classes. So you have students training who you don't see every single day or every week or whatever. So it gives you, Mm. it helps you regulate the masses, if you will. So on that point, because we've sort of started talking about, you know, hidden within this is the whole, are belts even worth it? You know what I mean? I... I've seen this is all anecdotal of course. I have a YouTube video about like oh when you when should when should you expect your first stripe on your white belt. And for whatever reason over the years it's gotten a, a decent amount of traction and some views on it, right? About 100,000 views. Um and the, it's not the views that I want to talk about, it's the comments. Some people have had the experience where you know in their own words they've been training consistently I mean, showing up to class, maybe they go to a larger gym with lots and lots of students and they're sort of a gray man, if you will. And, you know, they've been training for like two years or something consistently and they haven't even received a stripe on their white belt. And their gym does stripes. They do the whole four stripes and then and their belt promotion. Um, and it's not like they, they do them, you know, only at grading days or whatever and they've just skipped the gradings or whatever. They just sort of just slip through the cracks. And I think that is kind of fucking lame because... If, for example, if I was in the situation where I was competing, I was, you know, training as consistently two, two to three times a week as these guys are, are saying they, they are for two years and I hadn't even, you know, received a stripe in a gym that honors that system, it's pretty dog shit. So, I mean, I like the system in terms of, you're right, it's a good way of, of for a coach's perspective to track their students, to, uh, you know, recognize the students and award progression but for some people, it can be a massive fuck you when their their coach is a piece of shit and is lazy. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's the fault of the the coach or the administration of the gym. Yeah, um, like, yeah, I know it's funny though because you you made me think off a slightly different tangent. I was speaking to a friend who who runs a gym as well. This age is going. We're talking about stripes. And somehow in the conversation, he said something along the lines of, oh, yeah, like I always give that first stripe super premature to like, you know, to seal the deal of that new member, Mm. you know. But then after that, like they'll fold into the, you know, like let's say for for a trivial number, oh, I give a stripe every three months. It's like, oh, that first stripe I'll give after one month but then they'll fall into the every three months or whatever to help sort of like really buy them in. And it's, it's funny. It just started me thinking about how it can be quite difficult to, to stick to your standards. And I think in anything, when you're then forced into making changes and decisions because you are still operating a business, right. And you can see how like things morph into becoming essentially incorrect or wrong or whatever you want to call it but decisions have been made over time to sort of yeah but then you know what you're saying with the opposite of going two years without receiving a stripe that's i mean if the person is actually what unless they're doing a class every six months or whatever but then that brings me to a point we've spoken about before which is and i'm going to defend gyms to some degree or like Gracie Baja and so on at the moment who award stripes based on attendance and people who I say listen people don't get upset about this okay people who 
kick up a stink about stripes being awarded based on attendance, either A, are referring to a gym who is doing it incorrectly, or B, don't know what the fuck they're talking about, okay? Because it helps avoid the exact situation that you just mentioned, right? So, and if it's done correctly, it's founded on data, okay? So, for example, okay, I will typically, I have a system, a software that helps me track this when students attend the gym and whatever. I will typically, on a white belt, give a stripe every 30 classes, okay? So, Research shows the average student trains two or three times a week, okay? So for that average student who trains two times a week, a stripe's still going to take, what, like two months or more? Like, you know, maybe 10 to 12 weeks or something, okay? Mm. And why, why is it 30 classes? Well, because if you're teaching correctly and your classes are structured properly and whatever – more or less, if they've attended 30 classes, they would have learnt the amount of information that would ref- that would reward that stripe as a ballpark, okay? Let's say that that student trains eight times a week or whatever. Cool. They might get these stripes really quickly and then maybe it's not 30 classes. Maybe it's 35. Maybe it's 40. Like it's a ballpark, you know, I use it as a guide, then they've got their four stripes. Cool, man. You might sit on those four stripes for another year or whatever. Or if it's a blue belt longer or a purple belt longer. Okay. It doesn't mean you're then, because at the end of the day, Kieran, when you go to compete and they ask your belt, do they ask how many stripes you've got? Because they separate you by belt and stripe. No, oh, the right. stripes don't matter. Like, I mean, they matter, but they don't matter. Right. So stripes yeah. help an instructor and a gym not have students fall through the crack, okay? It also helps you go, I've had students be like, man, I haven't got a stripe in ages. Then I look at their attendance and I go, tell me how many classes you think you've done in the last six months. And I'll be like, seven, bro, seven in the last, what? you know. You know? <laughs> and it's like, it's like, man. Imagine okay. doing one a month and then asking for a stripe. It's like, it's like yeah, it's like, shit. bro, <laughs> I know you're feeling like it's been a long time since you've got a stripe and it has been it has. a long time, but I'm like, in yeah, in the last five, six months, you've done what, what an active uh, participant does in a week, you know, mm-hmm. like, so what the fuck do you want from me, bro? You know, so it helps with all those sorts of things. And yeah, stripes mean something for for the student as well, it is a sense of recognition. It's a pat on the back. It's a like, yeah. bro, good job. You're heading in the right direction. But yeah, I've had, and you would, you would back me up on this. I've had and have multiple students who are on whatever color belt and have been on four stripes, you know, for ages for, they've done X amount of classes on four stripes where they technically should have already gotten their next belt. If it was purely ranked on attendance. Mm-hmm. So I got my first four within the first six months, and I was on my white belt. Oh, on my white belt. No, we, we had a running joke about stripes on blue belt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, man, I got them. I got. I think I even got them sooner than that. I, like, I got I got them super, super quick, fast, and, I, and I, sat on, I sat on them for like eight months. Yeah. I didn't give a fuck. So, 
Yeah, stripes based on attendance is just a way to help you manage your students correctly. Mm. Man, don't get me wrong. It's very easy. It's very easy not to need that support ever as an attendance-based stripe system when you've just opened your gym and you have five students. Yeah. Very fucking easy. Yeah. But as, you, as your gym grows and you have more students, and then like I said, as you're not teaching every single class and you have other instructors teaching mm-hmm. and, you know, so all of a sudden, like you might be under the impression that this dude is barely fucking training, but turns out just unfortunately he's never in your classes and he's always in a different instructor's classes or whatever, right? It helps you squash all those inconsistencies and it's just a tool to help you better support the progression of your students. For me, I use that guideline, but when it comes to the belt, okay, I don't have 500 students, right, in my gym. So when it comes to the belt, I am then still individually assessing the individual based on my standards and my evolving standards as to whether I think that they're ready for that next belt. But yeah, like I said at the beginning, people who say stripes on attendance is like, you know, ruining jujitsu or whatever you want to say, they, it's, they're either referencing a gym who doesn't use that tool correctly or, or they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. I think I don't, I don't have any problem with stripes on attendance because I don't really care about stripes, to be honest, at all. I bet, like barely even care about uh, belt, but belts on attendance is a bit like, eh, come on, what are you doing? Also, let me double... Oh, belts on attendance is horrific, right? Yeah. But let me also just double down that stripes on attendance is an incredibly powerful tool for kids. Oh, yeah. Like, because kids, like, man, it's it's such an achievable little goal and they get so pumped off it and to the point where they count the classes and because, <laughs> I mean, if if you can pass or fail a fucking university degree based on attendance, right? <laughs> Which you can, you, if people lose visas in Australia, like, so I don't know if this happens internationally, but in Australia, people get student visas. So they'll go to do some type of course, whether it's at a uni or a TAFE. A TAFE is kind of like a college, I guess, for other international listeners in Australia. And, um, and that will allow them a student visa, which allows them to be in the country and work and whatever. But if they don't attend a certain percentage of classes, they will fail that course. Even if they got 100% on the test, they will fail the course and lose their visa. So if there's university degrees that you can fail, like that they use attendance as a level of metric, well, of course, a five-year-old is going to be pumped on getting awarded some sticky tape for attending correctly, right? They do it at school as well, right, for young kids. Like attendance is, I remember you used to get, if you had perfect attendance, you would get an award. If you didn't miss a day I, of school, you would. Nowhere near that award ever. <laughs> but I, you know what I'm talking yeah. about, right? Yeah, I know exactly so, what I'm talking about. So it's a great tool as well. And especially because kids come and go, like kids are the easiest students to acquire, the easiest to lose. Kids fall in and love with certain different things as they grow. Mm. So very hard to track them without some level of, of, of a system. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. That was a bit I've, of a tangent. but I can. I have no idea how we got on that topic. I can't remember. We're talking all, about but, belt, uh, yeah. you know, Herbert Santos, 
should black belts be better people, belt promotion, how you promote uh, stripes. That's how it happened. Fair enough. You're welcome, everybody. Speaking of uh, of black belts, can we just give a quick oh, shout-out? the wrong word. doesn't need a shout-out from us, but holy shit, man. Merigali is very, very good at jiu-jitsu. Yep. <laughs> man, like it's, I mean, it's funny because his online personality recently I have not enjoyed, and I'm not someone mm. who really dives into social media. I dive, mm. I, you know, there's a Dabble. big, there's a pool of social media mm. and next to it. There's an empty pool that is just concrete. And I dive into that one. I'm like quite <laughs> anti-social media, but, um, but I really like Merigali. I've only ever met him once back when we were purple belts and, um, and he was very lovely to me. I'd, it was like my first day back on the mats post knee surgery. And at the time, like for those who don't know, Merigali was best in the world at purple brown. Like he was just this up and coming, amazing rising star. Everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing rolling with Merigali? Like when you're like day one back out of knee surgery I was like, oh, no, we're just like chilling. And he looked after me. He was super lovely. He didn't mm. hurt me. Like we had a nice, you know, he took care of, rolled with me appropriately as you should with someone back after a surgery. And yeah, he's only been ever nice to me. I've spoken to him a few times over the years since then. But his online personality with this whole mimicking Gordon Ryan thing has been dog shit. But man, mm. like he's just, he's just so good at jujitsu. And that's, for those who don't know, he just fought the heavyweight GP which was at the – it happened at the same time as the World's Masters in Vegas along with the Jiu-Jitsu Con. It was like the biggest Jiu-Jitsu event ever. I think it had something like 11,000 competitors total. Whoa. That's yeah, crazy. It was huge. That's and awesome. If anyone – yeah, like, man, Masters Worlds is an awesome event. I've been twice and it's super cool. Uh, but, yeah, he hit this sick sweep – on Victor Hugo that he is one of his favorite sweeps. It's like a lasso de la Hiva sweep. And to move someone as big as Victor Hugo, super impressive. He's really good, man. Like he's, he's yeah, I think Merigal is amazing at jujitsu and whether you like his online personality or not, it's not as bad as Gordon Ryan for me as a spectator. But I thought I you were just, about to say he's not as bad as Irma Santos. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. no he, <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> well, no, but he is actually, I spoke to a friend of mine who knows Merigali really well, you know, from they used to train and essentially live together at mm, the gym wow. back in Brazil. And I spoke to him. I was like, bro, what's with his new online personality? And he was like, and it's just so cringe. It's like not who he is. Like, oh, it's so embarrassing to see because mm. he is a really, okay, again, I don't know him that well, but, you know, from my interactions with him and from my friend who's really good friends with him, he's such a lovely dude. But, yeah, it's just impressive to see his jiu-jitsu. Like, I still quite enjoy gi jiu-jitsu. I'm not 100% only about the no gi. So it was good to see him do some cool shit in, in the gi and he's just incredibly talented. Yeah. So, off, sorry, sorry, what last interruption. Off the back of that, I then do need to give a shout out. While we're talking about that event, Masters Worlds, one of my students, Tima, she's a, a blue belt of mine who has been having a huge amount of adversity with her jiu-jitsu over the past 
maybe two, three years really, mm. uh, COVID kind of with lockdowns and stuff in Australia, yes, it screwed a lot of people's training, but for other reasons, completely screwed Tima's training. And then she moved and she was further away from me. And so that made her train less. And then she had like, you know, tore a tendon in her foot and all these things and everything. And then she was preparing to go to Masters Worlds. And then a week before leaving, she like fell and, you know, uh, injured her shoulder really bad and wasn't being able to train and whatever. All these things, like a huge amount of adversity leading up to this comp. Tima went to Masters Worlds and she won, got gold. So awesome. Like I was so happy. I didn't see the fights. They were on at 2.30 in the morning in Australia. And I didn't wait. I unfortunately didn't wake up to watch them, but I woke up to just a message from her that was like world champion motherfucker. And then all the photos of her <laughs> on the podium and stuff. That's awesome. I'm just so proud of her. So happy for her. Yeah. It was, it was, I mean, just going and competing was one of her goals yeah. and for her to, to win at such an awesome event. Like the master's worlds is such a cool event, regardless of what belt you're competing at. It is so good. I'm so incredibly happy for her and, and look yeah. forward to celebrating with her in person when she gets back. So I, of course, oh, yeah. had to Tima. give Tima a big shout out. Hell yeah. Masters World, baby. Back to what I interrupted you with. No, I was just going to move on to our uh, something interesting slash today I learned. All right, let's go. Something. Well, my doll okay. now. My, mine's super old, so I, I, I didn't bother updating it. <laughs> I, I prepared it for last week's, uh, you know, the, the recording that failed. Um, but I wanted to talk about something and uh, man, this could be a full episode, but it's super interesting. Now, hopefully my memory still serves. Um, uh, anyway, so I was on Reddit, RBJJ, not recommended by the way. <laughs> um, it's RBJJ tends to be like everything on Reddit or subreddits is a little bit negative, but anyway, I digress. I was scanning through RBJJ and I found a thread that was talking about gyms and like how much money a gym makes and the op or the uh, original poster they were basically talking about something along the lines of you know how much money do gyms really make they they always hear about you know there to be no money in jujitsu competing but the the gym owners are, are rolling in it like they're they're making heaps of cash you know basically saying that opening a gym and owning a gym is like an easy way to make uh, heaps of money and it was geared toward that and then you know he jumped in the comments some people were commenting because um, it was kind of like a query like oh how much money do you make as a gym owner sort of thing people were jumping in in the comments and then he his his basic response was oh i have heaps of mates that own gyms and they they own they're making multiple six figures you know they're they're rolling in it they're doing really really well uh, money wise and it seems pretty easy and the whole mood of it was and i'm not saying that you know, I know a lot of gym owners, but I know a lot of gym owners. I know a few now um, on a uh, pretty decent level. And it's definitely, um, in my opinion, from what I know, a clear misrepresentation of what it's like, one, owning a business and two, owning a jiu-jitsu gym. Comments. Yeah. Um, I'm not rolling in the six figures. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah. No, yeah, it's you funny. Suck though, bro. Yeah, it's funny. Well, I do kind of suck. Like in in that re in that regard, like I think if no, it, I th I 
if yeah. if you if you came to me and you just wanted pure advice as to if you came to me saying like hey bro you have a gym i just want pure advice as to how i can make the most money possible running a gym i could tell you how to do that and you would probably make pretty good money mm. i don't know if it would be six figure money but you could make pretty good money uh why don't i run my gym like that because I don't want to like what would be like, I don't know. Think about like when you go into like other businesses and just they, it operates in a way that I mean, I'm just trying to think of a clear way to get this the nickel and dime you everything. Everything's about nickels and dimes, right? Yeah. Like I, I don't, I don't want to run, run my business in, in, in a way that goes, oh, like I kind of look at stuff and go, instead of going, what is the most I can charge for this that people will pay for it? Which is business, like business-wise, if we, were, if we were doing a business course, you'd be like, that's what you want to do, right? You want to charge the most possible that people would pay for it. I kind of look at the other way and I'm like, what is the cheapest I can do this for the person? Cause I, I, I just want to, I want to get it to as most, as many people as possible. And I want to help as many people as possible and whatever. So just, and that kind of avalanches into a lot of things. Take like uniform policy, for example, people will tell you a bunch of dog shit to try sell it to you that it's not about the money, but it's, it's about, about the money. Yeah, that it's about the team being uniformed and people feel much better when they're part of a team and this and that. And there are aspects of that that are true, right? Especially if you're looking at kids. Like, you know, for example, imagine if you had a whole gym. Let's imagine it's Gracie Baja, but they didn't have a uniform policy. Just Gracie Baja because it's very recognizable for listeners. Like, if you had any parents listening would agree with this. If you had a six-year-old and they're going to a Gracie Baja gym and everyone is wearing Gracie Baja geese, but you've got a gee for your kid that is a whatever brand, your kid is not going to want to go into the class wearing it. He's going to want the same as everyone else has. You know, So, I mean, some aspects of it are true, but all the other aspects of it just being like taking away people's self-expression of fashion and, you know, not only fashion, but not all geese fit the same. So if your Gracie Baja gee is a, you know, Fuji gi and Fuji gis don't fit me re really well because they're all slightly different. <clears throat> what do I do then? I'm just kind of screwed and I have to wear an uncomfortable gi for the rest of my life while I'm training at that gym. So all these other things, right, kind of. Yeah. The things that I don't implement for the gym to make a huge amount of money. But um, yeah, like the rolling in triple figures I don't think is 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 really the case, right? Like, there's a lot of overheads that go with gyms that people don't really don't really understand. And then, even if you do understand them, it's very difficult for most people to be to have had the time to invest in becoming incredibly good at jujitsu, and also had the time to invest in becoming incredibly good at business, right? Like. For most people to get really good at jujitsu, they need to treat it as a as a full time university degree career, right? 
So it's hard to do full, two full-time careers at the same time. It's very hard to get really proficient at jiu-jitsu and really proficient at being a businessman. Of, of course, people can do it. But you know what I mean? Like I think as a whole, the average person doesn't, right? So then perhaps these jiu-jitsu people who are rolling in it are very good at business and not particularly good at jiu-jitsu and they're just running their gym purely for profit and i think a lot of i i don't have a business degree but i don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that as a whole businesses that are just purely 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 like for profit with zero care to the consumer they make a lot of money right but maybe not morally or ethically in the in the best way possible and I definitely personally lean way more to being ethical and moral and I'm not super money driven. Mm. So yeah, maybe people are rolling in it, but if you just own one gym and you're telling me you're on 300 K a year, I'm kind of going like, yeah, but are you like, okay, maybe you are, but fuck, are you making people like when they sign up, they've got to buy eight geese and then their contract is like they, you know, the cancellation fee of the contract is $1,200 and, what what like where's that money coming from yeah you could also get gyms that are like in a very built populated interested area in jiu-jitsu but you just so happen to be the only gym and there are gyms like that that exist they're the only gym in the area um you know supply and demand there's a huge demand and a limited supply and they they got in first or whatever they had the biggest gym they had the best reputation um you know and they get really no i don't want to say lucky because i don't believe in luck in business i believe you know th- there is an element of luck in everything but i believe particularly in something like business it 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 evens out in the long run so luck is is minimal um and i think yeah i i, I do think that that some people are in the right place at the right time and take advantage of that really really well and I, I agree with you that I find it very uncomfortable operating with any business, particularly something as personal as a jiu-jitsu gym, where it's very clear that everything's about money. Everything's about money in terms of the uniform policy is a great example. Cancellation fees that are unwavering uh, is a good example. Uh, different pricing, pricing structures um, can you know, be skewed in the favor of the, the business owner and, and negatively impact the students. Uh, so there are a lot of examples we can throw out um, that, you know, make it an uncomfortable environment. But you can, you can still run a profitable business while still providing a really amazing service that isn't like, you know, nickeling, diming everyone and taking advantage. So there's a fine line between running a profitable business and, you know, just trying to fucking take as much money as you can from people. Like, yeah. uh, like I mean, I, I run a profitable business, you know, um, when not not everyone would know this not not because it's a secret but just because it's <laughs> it's not something that comes up in conversation but the day that the god i can't remember the exact date we opened the gym i always have to like recheck my instagram stories to remember not stories but posts <laughs> i think it was like the 20th of july 2018 hmm 2019 maybe um anyway it was a 2019 2019 yeah so it was a monday on the sunday we like 
and this is so the day before we did a soft opening because we had a delay with the mounts being delivered and everything, but we did a soft opening and, you know, so me and my wife had saved up all this money and invested it to open the gym because the fit outs relatively expensive. Okay. Maybe not as expensive as a commercial kitchen, but for us and you know, it was all our savings, right. Mm -hmm. To fit out the gym and get ready to open. And yeah, so we were opening on the Monday and on the Sunday we found out that we were that we were pregnant. So it was kind of like, oh fuck, like this has to work now. Cause I don't I didn't finish uni and have some you know, I wasn't like I was a lawyer who decided to open a gym. Like I treated jujitsu like university. So I was like, well, if this doesn't work out, I go back to cleaning swimming pools or, you know, whatever, doing whatever other job. And, um, yeah, so I run a profitable business because I, not only because I've had to, because I also know what I'm doing, but yeah, I definitely don't, I don't at all really do I not, I do the opposite of trying to gouge my students and my members and my customers. Mm. I think I, to the degree where often I have people being like, (laughs) bro, You've got to be a bit more strict with like collecting money. You know, I know that makes me sound bad as a, perhaps as a businessman, but you know, I try to, I try, I really do try to look after all my students and, and make things as, as pleasant for them as possible. So while I could definitely give you advice on, on running the most profitable gym, I 100% good. I used to do that for a job actually. <laughs> um, if that's how I ran my gym, I don't, I just don't think I would, I inside on my inside, I wouldn't be super happy. That's but a good yeah, point. That's, I, just, that's, I just thought it was interesting. It was like the classic Redditor thought that, you know, opening a jujitsu gym was a get rich quick scheme sort of thing. That that was the vibe I was getting, particularly from not, not necessarily from the main post, but definitely from the, their response in the comment section. I was a bit like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. It could have been a troll post, but I think it may have been authentic. And I just, you know, uh, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting as someone has who has run multiple businesses, n- never brick and mortar, but still, it's, um, yeah. yeah I, just, I wouldn't I just call it, it a get-rich scheme, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely I mean, not. you could turn it into a scheme, but then you just become one of those dudes that's like, and then I'll armbar him with my mind. Yeah, and then you end right. up on fucking McDojo life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so... My in something interesting. So this is this is just a quick one, but I just wanted to. It's yeah, I guess a bit of a shout out again. Uh, one of full my of shout outs today. Full of shout outs, bro. So one of my students, Dave Christescu, is his name. I don't know. I don't think he listens to the podcast, so I probably didn't need to say his last name. But uh, anyway, Dave is would be one of my most consistent students. Dave trains all the time. Two of his kids train. All three of his kids used to train. But Dave is incredibly consistent. Competes a lot as well. He's an older guy, so it's not like he's pursuing jiu-jitsu as a career change or to win world titles or whatever. But he trains. He just loves the sport and wants to get better, and he's super fit and healthy. and He's really fit. Yeah, super, like sh- mm. shredded fit. Like, yeah. You know? yeah. I, remember, I remember he spoke to me about like, not even like full nutrition advice, something like, you know, pick my brain on nutrition um, once and then fast forward like three months and the dude's like dice. They're like, what the fuck? 
Dude, yeah, you he, told me, it, he told me he went on a trip with his friends and they were all like, you're not allowed to take your shirt off anymore. Yeah, yeah just went, went on a trip with Damn. all his like dad friends, right, that have all dad got bods, your typical yeah. dad bods and he's ripped. Dude, he's ripped. Um, Shout out to Dave. Anyway, so where our gym is located doesn't particularly breed an inc- a huge amount of incredibly hungry competitors. So it can sometimes be difficult to muster up people to go to the competitions. Um, so Dave went to this competition recently. I I did I wasn't there, but Dave and a few other people went, and Dave competes pretty regularly. You know, sometimes wins, sometimes loses, but it goes and you know just has a crack and whatever. And he told me afterwards he was super nervous. He lost his matches, but he was like he had. Uh, he was doing gi and no gi, and he said he was super nervous, super nervous going into it. And I was like, why, man? Like, you, you've done this heaps. Like, you've never told me you were nervous before. And he's like, I don't know, just because it had been a while since I competed. And I was, like, so nervous. I was going in being like, I'm just going to do this one, and then I'm actually done competing, right? And um, And then he said he had his first match, and then after his first match – he was then instantly like cured of the nervousness. And even though he lost, he was just like pumped and then like went and did no gear. Unfortunately, lost that too. And he came out of it. He was like, man, it was so good. Like I'm so pumped. And he had already, I think on the day of the competition, he already signed up for the next one, which I always most do people, that. Yeah. Most pe- yeah. Well, a lot of people, most people procrastinate and they wait to see, check who else is in their bracket, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, you know, sign up last minute or whatever. And he came out just being like, man, I'm so pumped for the next yeah. one. I was never going to compete again. I was so nervous, yeah. but like essentially he was just visibly frothing on it. And it was just, it was just really cool to see someone who lost a competition and came out of it elated and just so excited to do the next one. And Man, I just thought I, it was I'm, awesome. I can relate so ma- much. It just made me really happy to see him talk about it that way. And, you know, I feel you, Dave. And then I, and I then, get the same way. Yeah. And then also just him being like, uh, you know, not that I have like favorite students, you know, but he's just like one of my favorite in the sense that he's just like such a nice guy and he's really don't have favorite students. The fuck sort of bullshit is that, bro? You're not kidding anyone. <laughs> don't have favorite yeah. students. No, but he's like one of my Love know, all your quotes, children equally, eh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, but Dave is one of my favorites. He's just such a nice dude and he's yeah. so consistent and you know, the dude, the fridge broke at the gym. Oh, the fridge broke, Kieran. You wouldn't know this. The fridge broke. I think you mentioned right? that a little while ago. Yeah, so I threw it out. I didn't want to fix it. It was too expensive to fix. People weren't paying for their drinks anyway. I was yeah, losing people money. Were stealing drinks. Or like, oh, I tap it later and just never did. <laughs> yeah. Not, Back to yeah, what let we're me talking just say, about. My stu- I don't have students who intentionally steal drinks. But there was no. a fridge with a sort of self-pay system. But people would get Gatorades and whatever in the middle of class and then just forget to pay. Yeah. Which is not that big of a deal. But when all of a sudden, like, you know. Profit margins are pretty uh, yeah, thin yeah. with Gatorades, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. When 20 of your 30 Gatorades are unpaid, it starts yeah. becoming a problem. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the fridge broke and I'm not replacing it. Yeah, Dave rocks up to class and he's or he messages me before class. He's like, you want a Red Bull? Because he knows me and him both drink Red Bull. And then he'll like, I'll be like, hell yeah, I do. And he'll bring yeah, me a Red Bull. And Anyway, he's essentially, Bull, he's like essentially, 6 p.m. 
is essentially buying this purple belt is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so you, you're putting out the hint that uh, keep it up, Dave. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, no, shit. So, so I just wanted to mention that. Like it was, mm. I was so happy to see, yeah. you know, not only the way he talked about it and how happy and excited he was for the next comp, but also just that, you know, came off a loss and he's, he just wants, he's chomping at the bit to go again. Yeah, just loves and, you know, punishment. <laughs> well, he's, he's after a couple losses, mate. Just, Dave, just let me know. I'll roll with you any time. <laughs> give, give it the savage. experience. I won't even charge you for it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a piece yeah, of yeah. shit. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, that was my, that was my uh, something interesting shout-out to Dave. Mm. Like you said, full of shout-outs today. Full of shout-outs, mate. Shout-out to Marigali and shout-out to Dave. Yeah. And um, shout out to Herbert Santos. Hopefully, we we get to the end or the bottom. What's going on there? I'll be watching that. See if he he gets a conviction or if he's acquitted. And if he does get acquitted, we'll have to come out and apologize. So we'll wait and see. I'm sure we won't have to. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> team Herbert. Uh, All right, guys. Well, thank you so much to listening. Sorry if you made it this far. Sorry for the lack of episode last week. Mm. Uh, but yes, thank you for tuning in. Uh, obviously, next episode is 109, but straight after that, 150, back yes. into our Q&A, Ask a Black Belt. We have got questions, but always submit more questions. Yeah, we uh, need a couple more. Yeah, so we've got room for a couple more. And then if we overflow with questions, we'll bank them for the next one. So please mm. go to our link tree and our Instagram at beyondjujitsu underscore podcast. Follow all that, yada, yada, yada. Submit an audio question. We'll play it on the podcast and answer your question.